Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit of who is at work in those who are disobedient. You were the big red tractor, except in your life, it wouldn't even start at all. See, the problem is when you look like a tractor, but you didn't operate like a tractor. Bible says, as for you, 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 me, You were dead in your transgressions and sin. If you ever tried to drive a vehicle that was dead, you know it doesn't go very far. You can push it, you can pull it, but dead is dead. See, you have to understand that how God sees people. And remember, God sees truth. There are dead humans who are alive. And there are alive humans who are dead. And there are alive humans who are fully alive. The reality is, is that we are all started off as humans, alive humans, who are dead. Remember, he is talking about followers of Jesus. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, and in which you used to live, in the ways you followed the world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, and the spirit who is now I work in those who are disobedient. They were dead. They used to be dead. And there's three characteristics of dead people. Um, You're a live human who is dead. You're going to follow the ways of this world. They live like they take very little thought of God. Or when they think of God, they don't really know who he is. Or they choose to go their own way rather than God's way. The next uh, characteristic is they follow the ways of the ruler of of the kingdom of the air. Satan is called the prince of the air. They're following the ways of Satan. He rebelled against God. They rebelled against God. We all rebelled against God. The third characteristic is, of course, that they're, they're following the spirit at work in those who are disobedient. We might call it the spirit of the age. We know from other uh, scripture passages that the spirit blinds them to the truth about God. So when you have alive people who are dead, they take little thoughts of God, little thought of God, they rebel against God and his ways, and uh, they rebel against submitting to the lordship of God, They follow the spirit of the age, which blinds them to the truth. And Paul says, that's who you were. Yeah, Ephesians, that's who you were. To emphasize this, he says, verse 3, all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Paul says, all of us were there, All of us live that way, following our own desires, our own thoughts. He describes it as the flesh. We 
We went for sensuality and what we could get uh, in our bodies. Note he says that all of us includes himself. And if you remember Paul's history, Paul grew up in a very strict religious home. And he grew up and he took on vows that were stricter yet as a Pharisee. And he was one who was living out with zeal his religion. And yet he says, all of us, including me, were dead. If you would have looked at Paul, you would have said, oh, wow, he's got all the right things going. He shows up at church. He does all the right things. But he says, I was dead. I meet a lot of great non-Christian people. You know, I, I, I meet them and you think, oh, wow, they're, they're pretty cool people. You know, it's pretty easy to love some of them, right? You probably know them too. It's not about good and bad. It's about alive and dead. But when people, goes on in verse 3, when all of us who lived amongst them at one time gratified the cravings of the flesh, following his desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature deserving of wrath. Oh, well, nobody wants to hear about the wrath of God, but let me tell you about it. We were to, by nature deserving wrath. See, when you were dead, you're deserving of wrath. If you do a study of wrath in the New Testament, it does not take the form of God coming out of heaven and smiting somebody with a thunderbolt, right? That's not how it works. When God's wrath turns up in the New Testament, he backs off from people and lets them do what they want to do. And when people are together gratifying the cravings of their flesh, when they're rebelling against God, when they're following the spirit of the age, then he says, okay, if that's what you want to do, I'm just going to back off and leave you to your own devices. A life without God, if you get enough of those people together, a society without God. Here's the thing. Societies without God inevitably gravitate towards a world where the strong oppress the weak, where everyone does what is right in their own eyes, where we become a, a people who are devoid of love, except for the ones that are really close to us, will struggle to find joy, a sense of well-being, struggle to find meaning, we struggle to find hope, and of course, we fear death, so we run from it and avoid it. And then death approaches, because it comes for us all. We don't know what to do. If you look around at the problems of this world, most of them can be traced to the human heart, a human heart that's far from God. So Paul says, by nature, 
We were deserving of wrath. We deserve God to just back off and say, okay, you want to do what you want to do, you go ahead. And God was under no obligation. No obligation to save us from ourselves. After all, we were the ones who rebelled against him. We were the ones who said that we're going to do things our way, not your way. God would have been just in leaving us to our own devices. But verse 4, I love verse 4. But because of his great love, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. But God didn't give us what he deserved. God didn't back off from us. God, because of his great love, he shows himself to be fully loving. And because of his mercy, he is rich in mercy. And he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, but he is merciful. God, who is rich in mercy, what does he do? He made us alive in Christ. Uh, he made us alive. We were dead in our transgressions and sin, but now, because of your faith in Christ, you're alive in Christ. We were people who were dead and now are alive. Now you've become the people who are both physically alive and spiritually alive. The big red tractor has started up all of a sudden. We have potential to do and be what we were created to do and be. But not only did God save us, look at verse 6. And God created us with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness in Christ to us in Christ Jesus. I don't have time to fully unpack this, but one thing I do want to point out is God didn't just save us. God made us, didn't just make us spiritually alive. He gave us a place of honor in the heavenly realms. This is a place where answered prayers start. This is the place where your identity in Christ is grounded and founded and where you're allowed to own it. This is a place where it defines who you are this is where the place where joy starts and it seeps into our souls. And when you look back from heaven's shores, we'll see that God didn't just give us a little bit of favor. He just didn't give us a little bit of love. But he was extravagant in his love and he gave us incomparable riches of his grace. Not just a little bit, but more than you can imagine. He was extravagant. Now we come to one of the most important verses to understand in our salvation. For it's by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And this is not from yourself, it's the gift of God. 
not by works so that no one can boast. For it is by grace you have been saved. You didn't make yourself spiritually alive. Only God could do that. It was his undeserving favor bestowed on you that made you spiritually alive. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You don't somehow make God yourself more attractive to God. See, dead is dead. You can't start your own tractor. See, the fuel lines in your tractor have been clogged by sin. The bearings have been seized by false belief. The fuel filter, or the, the, the air filter has been clogged by the ways of this world. And the only way that you could become alive is if God does it. The tractor doesn't fix itself. I think one of the saddest groups in our world are religious people who are trying to earn their own way to, into God's favor. Can't be done. You can't start your own tractor. All you can do is sit there. But the, here's the thing. Unlike a tractor, you have a mind and you have a heart, and you can do something that triggers the process of becoming alive. What does the verse say? It's by grace you have been saved through faith. It is like God saying, I have this free gift for you. All you need to do is receive it from me. I can fix what is broken. I can bring alive what, what is dead. I can clear those fuel lines. I can blow out that air filter. I can unseize those bearings. If you try to do it, you won't be able to do it yourself. If you try to do it yourself, I will leave you to yourself. But if you will put your faith in me and turn your tractor over to me, I'll fix it. I'll make it purr. It'll come fully alive. See, faith in this context is believing that God will do what he said he would do. Faith is believing that when Jesus died on the cross, he, he took my sin and he gave me his life. The stuff that killed me spiritually was upon him, but he offers me his righteousness. Faith is believing that he will give me real life when I ask. God's done everything that needs to be done to get the tractor working. Faith is the key that puts the order in and allows him to do his work. See, without faith, the tractor stays dead. Faith triggers all the resources of God on your behalf. When you turn that key of faith, then you're forgiven of all you've ever done wrong. You're made fully alive. You're adopted into the family of God. You're given the Holy Spirit to help you to, to live out uh, your life for him. Jesus has done the work, but you need to put your faith in him. If you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus, but you would like to, after I finish today, we're going to celebrate communion together. In communion, we remember that Jesus died for us. For us, communion is a symbol 
that we're trusting Jesus will do what he said he would do. We're believing him. We have put our trust in him, and we continue to trust in him. If you've never received Jesus into your life, I would invite you to take communion with us as an act of faith saying, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you. And then, if you do that as an act of faith for the first time, I want you to tell somebody. Tell me. I'd love to hear it. Tell somebody you know who loves Jesus. They'd love to hear it. Let me take you to the next verse. One of my favorites in the verse in the book. Verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, the NIV says, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Or the New Living Translation puts it, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things. He planned for us long ago. See, when you become alive in Christ, you become God's masterpiece. You become God's work of art. When your tractor comes alive, then it has a work that it was created and meant to do. It finds meaning doing what it was meant to do. Paul's writing to a people who have put their faith in Jesus and what Jesus has done for them on the cross. Paul's writing to a people who have experienced God and Notice the tense of the verse. For we are God's masterpiece. This is written, not written in future tense. It's not written in this ongoing tense, the heiress tense. It's written in the present tense. We are God's masterpiece. I don't know about you, but sometimes I wake up in the morning and I feel more like God's calamity than God's masterpiece, you know? Have you ever been there? Uh, and even on my best days, sometimes I, I feel like a work drawn by somebody in grade two instead of a masterpiece. But God's, through his word, declares, those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, that we are God's masterpiece. And as, as often happens in Ephesians, I'm left with a choice. Do I believe what God has to say about me? Or do I believe what I feel about me? If you know anything about art, you will know that often great masterpieces have to be restored. They get marked by life. They get beaten and handled too roughly. It's especially true if they're not recognized for what they are, masterpieces. But the fact that they are scarred and marked and beaten does not mean that they're worthless. If a painting from Rembrandt was found and it was tattered along the edges and you could see some dents where it had been hit by stuff and you know, it just wasn't in prime condition. Would that painting be worthless? Of course not. It was valuable, and it would be valuable because of the person who painted it. You might feel rough along the edges, around the edges. You might feel beaten and scraped and scarred. You are God's masterpiece. And here's what I want you to know about God. God is the great restorer. 
He's the one who fixes the dents. He's the one who makes even the scars beautiful in his time. And you are in the process of being restored. Now, it would be a huge mistake to imagine a masterpiece just as a painting. I've seen motorcycles that were masterpieces. I've seen some cars that were masterpieces. I've had some wonderful meals that were masterpieces in and of themselves. I've read stories, listened to music, seen plays that could be described as masterpieces. The big red tractor is a masterpiece in its own right. Look at the verse again. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You are God's masterpiece. You're created in Christ Jesus. And there's something that this creative God does to us when you receive grace and believe that you are, that you're custom built to do something good right where you are. You're a masterpiece and you fit the role well. You're alive in Jesus. You have a purpose. He wants to teach you what that is. He wants to help you to live that out. He wants you to see who he's made you. and He wants to get you to a place where you're fulfilling his purposes. If you don't know what your purpose is, ask him. He's a way of telling you. There's some people who are alive, but they're really dead. The only way that they can go from death to life is by grace through faith. Will you trust that Jesus did what he said he would do on the cross for you? Will you give him your sin and let him give you his goodness? Will you give him your life and let him make you fully alive. Will, he, will you believe that God's favor is on you? Giving you salvation. There are those who are dead, but they live. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. There are some who've gone on before us and they're fully alive. There will come a time when you who have trusted Jesus will look back from heaven's shores and you'll see the incredible riches of his grace. You'll see the incredible love that God has lavished on you. And theirs are those who are alive and they're fully alive. They're God's masterpieces, purpose-built, Oh, they may still be in the restoration process, but that doesn't mean that there's nothing for them to do. God has a purpose. God has a plan. I want you to encourage you. I want to encourage you to lean into that plan. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, 
Thank you so much for your salvation. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and how you've saved us. Lord, if there's anyone here who hasn't given their life to you, I pray even during this time, we celebrate communion, that you would, uh, yeah, that you would open up their hearts and help them to reach out to you by faith. And Lord, help us all to celebrate what you've done. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.